you today I'm joined by Dr Richard Parker who's our resident um, buildings expert and amazing buildings illustrator. Uh, Richard hi how are you doing? I'm very well thank you Danny. <laughs> and we thought so we had a fantastic chat last time didn't we about we buildings did. archaeology. Absolutely wonderful. And about your drawings as well. Yes. And at some of your illustrations that you do, well, all of them are absolutely fantastic. So what we thought we'd do with this one is actually look very closely um, in detail at actually uh, one or two of your reconstruction drawings. And um, we thought this might, might be quite nice to focus on um, your, your typical farmhouse, um, your typical Devon farmhouse. Uh, from the um, post-medieval period, so sort of 1500 onwards, and look at the kind of life of these farmhouses and, and how they changed through time. And there's there's quite a, a trend at the moment called cottage core and farm core. I don't know if you've heard of it, Richard. I have, yes, actually. <laughs> and uh, we thought, you know, this this might be quite nice actually because we're actually going to talk about the history, the archaeology. Um, the archaeology of these buildings of cottages and farmhouses that you find in Devon in the southwest of England. So we thought this might be quite fun. Excellent. So um, let's have a look at one of your fantastic drawings. We thought we'd start with what, what is uh, often thought of as a typical farmhouse, and this is a great example, uh, your work at Stonehaze. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a classic three-room and cross-passage house, and in its original form you had a so it's a long rectangular building with a, um, a doorway more or less at the centre and uh, to one side of the there is a passage running straight the way through the house from front to back and to one side of that uh, passage was a, a large room um, uh, which filled the end of the building and the other side there were two rooms the big central room uh, the hall and then uh, a smaller service room at the end of the hall um, in the other end of the building so so you use the um, uh, often the, the, the little inner room is a private place for the family um, uh, and, and, and the, the room at the other end of the house uh, beyond the, the entrance passage is a kind of service room where um, dirty and wet work is done, that kind of thing. So where the arrow is there that, that we're looking at uh, on your illustration, yep. that's the main door? That's the main door and the cross passage. So you can see that there are these low timber screens yep. separating the various rooms. They don't go up into the roof. So the heat from the central fire in the hall, main open room where all the life and activity of the house happened, um, just rises straight up into the roof and through a hole in the ceiling and can also spread over the top of the screens into the passage and into the um, inner room at the other end of the house. So if, if we um, imagine um, that we're, we're walking through that door there, so we, we, we're basically stepping into the middle of the house effectively but into a large corridor which yes. we're calling a cross passage yes but it has no ceiling um, okay uh, so um you, if you look up you'll see right into the roof of the house and into the hall roof wow um, uh, and uh, and sometimes there is no um uh there is no wall on the other side so you, you have these two partitions that rise just above head height which serve to keep drafts out okay. of the, um, the rooms to either side but they don't they don't go any higher than um, the first floor. And that's weird because that's so different, isn't it, how, to what you'd expect today. Um, so you walk in, um, you've got these wooden panels. Are they decorated? What kind of colour would they be typically? They can be decorated. And quite often, uh, the later you get, the more elaborate the decoration is. 
So um, um, in the um, early part of the, period, the medieval period and the late medieval period, you might have arched doorways with them um, with carved spandrels. Um, you certainly from the 16th and 17th century, you're likely to get all sorts of lovely um, decorative paintings on the uh, particularly on the hall side of the screen, you know, sort of uh, twiddly things, sometimes the royal arms, but generally they're kind of just painted like in big zingy bands of red and green. Nice. <laughs> okay, so then I guess we've got a choice then, haven't we? So we've gone in through the front door, we're in the cross passage, mm -hmm. um, there's smoke above our heads, but there's rooms off to either side. Yes. So um, if we, looking at your picture, if we went off into the left, we would be heading into which room is that? That would be the open hall where you can see the fire in the centre with a nice big bronze crock on the um, um, uh, on the hearth. An open hearth in the middle of the room, no chimneys, just smoke rising straight up through the roof. So the whole room would be filled with sort of like um, a, a fog of, of smoke. They thought that was very healthy and very wholesome. They thought it helped to control lice and fleas and all the other things that uh, ordinary Devon peasants were prone to in the Middle Ages. Well, I mean, to be fair, okay, it can't have been great for your lungs, um, but actually, you know, uh, at all. Um, but it probably did keep insects away and fleas and all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, so, I mean, people fumigate their houses today, don't they? So there is a farmhouse called Bailey Farmhouse that you can visit at the Weald and Downland Museum in Kent, I think, or Sussex or somewhere like that, where they actually have they've reconstructed a, a genuine medieval farmhouse and they have an open fire burning in the centre. And so you can actually walk in and apparently all the smoke just stays well above head height in a kind of lovely, dizzy, plumy um, uh, cloud. And so you're, you're relatively clear down below, but it soots all the timbers. It turns all the roof timbers black. And I think you can see in my drawing that I'm okay. trying to show how this, the central roof truss over the hall is, um, um, is blackened by the smoke and that the, the the roof trusses at the opposite ends are slightly less blackened and this is a very good way to, archaeologically to um to prove that a house had a, um uh, uh an open hall originally yeah i mean that's i remember when for instance when we were doing the time team dig village project up in dunster one of the key things that you were always hunting about in roofs for was soot blackening oh so exciting when you find it it's just lovely so well, it's you fall backwards through the hatch screaming sort of um you know with delight yeah. I, I mean and that, oh, that, <laughs> yeah. that is really one of the key things isn't it if you've got a smoke blackened roof you're looking at uh, it, it's very early isn't it because yes. it's pre-chimney the fire's in the middle of the room it, it, it tends to be an indication that the house is medieval and of course the extent of the smoke blackening tells you all sorts of things about um how the building was partitioned and as you can see in my stonehaze drawing there is at one end of the um of the house they've built a um a, a partition a wooden partition right the way up to the roof to enclose a first floor um room where they've got a nice comfortable bed and um, um and often these floors jettied out over the um passage so they that means that the joists of the um, um the first floor stuck out over the top of the screen to make a really pretty sort of you know, like like the like the outside of a medieval house in a town. You know, the, the way the upper floors stick out and at each level, okay. and so this is very decorative and beautiful. And quite often they they fitted nice little curvy braces to them and things like that. 
So you can tell whether it was built uh, as as one long open space um, with just low partitions originally, or whether it was built as a building with um, storied areas. I see. Okay. So we're in the hall that's open to the roof. There's a fire in the middle and there's a lovely crock or cauldron there bubbling away, making a, a nice broth or boiling water or whatever. Um, and then there's another partition off to the left as well. So it looks like there's a little room there. What's going on in there? That's the inner room. That would be uh, either a private parlour um, where the family could just go, maybe even a bedroom. Uh, sometimes it's um, it's used for, um, uh, you know, storage and, um, and domestic activities that aren't uh, suitable for the main hall. So it can be a service room or a, or a parlour or a posh room. And mm. what would be in that? So you'd have, um, you know, a nice uh, a settle to sit down on? Uh, I, I'm really not sure that, I mean, we don't, I don't think many of these inner rooms um, uh, survived with any of their original furnishings. So it's a bit difficult to tell. I mean, some of them might have been used as dairies. Um, uh, like I say, they could be used for stores. They could be used for um, as sculleries. But I think generally, if it's the room uh, beyond the hall, you know, so you walk in for the main uh, passage and then you come through the hall to get there. It's it's like a parlour. It's so, um, it's a nice comfortable place for entertaining um, private guests, but often it's not heated. So the, um, um, the the smoke and the warmth from the central fire in the in the hall percolates through over the top of the screen and warms that that space as well. Okay, and so then if we sort of journey back out through there, past the fire, <laughs> out into the cross passageway, um, and then uh, we go right, so there's another room there. Yes. Um, what's uh, that, going on there? Because that looks... That's the service room at the lower end. So that is um, usually a sort of a, a rougher place. You know, that's a kind of, um, that is for stores and for, um, I mean, the, both ends of the house can be used for the same thing. The, the, the main living activity goes on in the middle in the hall. And you either have posh areas at one end or the other. Um, we talk often talk about the high end and the low end of a medieval house. And the low end is where um, uh, mucky activities took place and the high end is where, where you had a, a degree of privacy. At Stonehaze, the, what we would think of as the low end appears to have been enclosed earlier on. And so it was probably being used as a sort of, as you know, as a, as a nice posh space. And then above it, that, so this is one where we've actually, this doesn't go straight up to the rafters, does it? There's another room above there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes, that, um, they, those are sometimes an addition. And this is the really important thing about smoke, smoke blackened roofs. You can tell if the whole roof is smoke blackened from one end to the other, you can tell whether the building was originally just one open space divided by low screens or whether it was built at, at, from the beginning as a, as a, as a as a house with storied or floored elements. And at Stonehaze, we think that the, um, the, the low end um, to the right of the passage was floored from the beginning because the roof was a different form and it wasn't smoke blackened. So, so I think they, they had built the, that end of the house with an upper story. And so you can see there's a wooden partition um, rising up into the roof, what we call a closed truss, enclosing one of the principal um, A-frames of the roof. And beyond that, there is a, um, a, a comfortable upper room with no heating, but, but equally no smoke. 
where where are our imaginary um, uh, Devon farmers, a farming family, have installed a very nice uh, canopied bed? Um, this is typically how you would build a house in 1500. Thereabouts, yeah. That's the kind of your, your basic your basic standard house for, for there. I mean, there are all sorts of variations. For if you're at a lower social level, you might have only two rooms, you know, one room each side of the cross passage. And for, at a very low social level, you might even just have a single room with a half in the middle and your, your, your main entrance coming straight into it. Yeah. And um, I, I suppose we should say, yeah, they were often called hovels, weren't they? The one room houses. I suppose so. But I mean, even they were probably more comfortable than um, where the very poor would have lived. lived. Mm. The So obviously it's made of thatch, right? So that's um, straw, yes. hay, well, straw. Um, and the floors, what would have been the floors been made of? Well, quite often just beaten earth. Um, I mean, it depends. You can have, there are, um, if you could afford it, you'd probably put in some cobbling or something, but, but very often they just use a kind of um, either hardened earth or they'd uh, um or they'd use lime ash which is a mixture of lime and ash and you just lay it down it, it hardens pretty much like concrete and it it could be polished to a beautiful texture so uh, beautiful shininess uh, you can see lime ash floors still today in churches i think there's a um a lime ash floor at germans week and uh, um and also at um uh coldridge it's really durable and and, and very pretty really but also it was a bit of an insecticide, wasn't it, lime? It had those kind of properties. And so you'll hear of things being lime washed, where you'd lime wash the wall or whitewash the wall, sometimes every year in your barn or in your larder or whatever. And not only did that sort of help reflect light, uh, but it had these insecticidal properties as well. And you'd coat shrouds in lime in times of plague. And you know, I want to be buried in a, a lime shroud. I think that's very nice, really. Ideal. We've gone slightly off piste, Richard. <laughs> Sorry. We, if we move on in time, so you've also done a picture of or an illustration of Stonehaze in 1600. So we're moving on 100 years. The building's still standing, but obviously it's been adapted. So let's have a look at that. You can see that the inner room at the, beyond the hall has now been floored over as well. And like the like the room at the other end, it's got a little jetty sticking out over the over the earlier screen. So pass through the hall from the passage yep. to, to the room at the end, and I've 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 shown a solid wall, but you can just see there's a, a, um, that a first floor has been added here, and so there's now a chamber at both ends of the house. And gradually the house is being enclosed, but at this stage apparently the the open hall still survived because we can date it by the um, the style of the. The roof timbers. So in 1600 or thereabouts, the um, the house still had an open hall at the centre, but both ends had now been um, uh, floored over. So and do we know why that would have been? A, a, a fashion for an increase in private space, I think. So basically, they either the family are getting richer and they are um, uh, wanting somewhere to put their servants. That so the servants will now sleep instead of sleeping in the hall. They now have a loft to sleep in. Or, um, or they have children and they want them somewhere to put their children and, uh, and increasingly a desire to keep, you know, clothes and fabrics and people uh, more, more clean. So, um, so by 1600, you're talking about plastering over things and um, uh, putting in ceilings, you know, 
like the fabulous elaborate plaster ceilings you get in Elizabethan mansions, you sometimes get those at farmhouse level. So some wealthy yeoman farmer has decided, right, I'm going to celebrate my marriage by um, by installing a magnificent new ceiling and um, um, and making my house all white and clean and sweet instead of the dusty old medieval um, smoky place that it used to be. <laughs> and just looking at the material, actually, because we, sorry, we talked about the floors and we talked about the um, the thatch on the roof, um, but we haven't actually talked about the building material. Well, I mean, Stonehaze is a stone house mm -hmm. uh, and, and probably always was. I mean, very often, of course, in Devon, you, these houses would be made of cob, yeah. which is actually no less durable than stone, you know, as long as you look after it. And the, um, but Stonehaze was a stone house, yes, and it was probably quite a fancy place from the very start. So this mm -hmm. is made of local stone, okay. And um, so what else has changed? I guess not too much, really. Not by this stage, no. Okay. Um, but, but the important thing is that um, uh, changes and improvements are being made, and that they, 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 the family are upgrading. This is the this is the beginning of a process where eventually the whole house will be floored over. And it will contain, instead of being essentially one very large room with low separations, it will become a, a, a warren of smaller rooms. So the next few drawings should show this process. Okay, let's have a look then. So moving on into the next hundred years. So we're going on now to 1700. Whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> By 1700, you should see that the hall has now been um, floored over. The house is now um, two stories throughout. And also additional rooms have been built on the rear of the house, which is where, um, I mean, one of those was a dairy and above it a cheese loft where cheeses could be stored. Um, but you can see that now holes have been made in the earlier partitions to let um, uh, people pass through from one fl uh, first floor room to another. Ah, yep. um, and uh, and the, also you can see a chimney has been added. Oh, yeah. So suddenly instead of... Um, and that's been added on the um, uh, in the low end of the house, yeah. um, suggesting that was actually used as a quite a fancy parlour. There probably were other um, uh, heated rooms in in the, uh, but unfortunately, no evidence of those. No evidence of chimneys survived later alterations. But so I mean, they, you can see how the process now the the, the house is is now fully storied and contains a lot of rooms mm. and privacy has been increased. Although you still have to walk through other people's bedrooms in order to get to your bedroom. And this is why beds were usually enclosed by curtains or by panelling at this stage. And of course, it, there were very few of them. Beds were incredibly expensive and, and valued pieces of equipment. They were kind of like, um, they were where births and deaths took place. So they were kind of ceremonial furniture and they were very big and very grand. And that they often you see them recorded in wills, don't you? So yeah. that, you know, that because it was one of your prized possessions to own a, a timber bed. Yes, and, uh, and you can see I put a in the posh bedroom at the at the far end of the house. I put a nice um, 17th century style um, um, uh, a four poster with a with a wooden canopy. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and um, would you would it be fair to say that you might only have one bed in a house like that, or would there be oh, beds I mean, in each room? I think um, uh, certainly inventory suggests that there weren't very many of them, and most people would sleep on pallets on the floor. Um, and indeed, your servants your, might sleep um, on little pull-out beds that trundled out from underneath the main bed. So even even at this, you know, even as late as you know the the 
the mid to late 17th century. People are still all sharing rooms. You know, your servants were sleeping on the floor next to you. So when you wanted the chamber pot, you could yell for them. <laughs> <laughs> and how many people do you think would be living in this house at this time? Well, this is getting to be quite a grand house. I don't, I don't know for sure, but the family, um, you know, the, the children and the servants. So, I mean, and probably farmhands and farm labourers would be living in parts of it. They'd sort of um, doss down wherever they could, I think. Then if we move on, so let's have a look at the... Ah, yes. 1800s and see what's happened then. Right, by this point, um, as you can see, they've got so interested in cleanliness. Um, they at every stage before this the whole roof structure all the thatch all the um, um all the uh, roof timbers have been exposed so they've just literally been you've been able to look up and see the the, the thatch from the inside and here you can see they've inserted a lot of new ceilings mm. so and all the rooms will now be um plastered over you know, uh, walls ceilings and the floors will, will will be sort of like improved with boarding and um, um so yes, it's a, a, a great increase in um, um, uh, in cleanliness, and you can also see that the lower area of the house has been now subdivided by other partitions. So the number of rooms is multiplying, and of course somewhere I think there's a staircase. Yes, there it is in the middle. There's a new staircase rising up to what used to be the hall. Uh -huh. so, whereas beforehand they might have used ladders or they might have um, um, you know used any kind of ad hoc arrangement to get upstairs. Now there's you know a much grander staircase and we are now in 1800 so you know the staircase is likely to be a thing of some beauty intended for display. They've put ceilings in um, above you know in the in the second uh, the upper story they've put ceilings in now yeah. um, and you would say is that because of cleanliness or was did it keep warmth in or why, um, why was that so basically they've created an attic haven't they? Yes they have all of those things really but um, um, uh, so it mainly because the, it was not the fashion anymore to have all these like high rooms with the ceilings exposed. So all over the place in the 18th and, and from, the, from the late 17th century onward, you get this kind of mad fashion for plastering over stuff, cover everything with plaster. And, and of course the Georgians being terribly boring people, they, they colored it all with a, a, a dismal stone coloured washers. So actually stone colour was one of the, the or drab was another um, colour they like to use. Drab. <laughs> we talked about that last time actually, we did. didn't we? <laughs> the Georgians. <oof. laughs> I mean what what is it about the Georgians that you don't like so much apart from the the, the fact they had a colour called drab? <laughs> I think they were mean, mean people. But there we are, never mind but it's, it's irrelevant really. <laughs> But yes, you can also see that, that now the house has got lots more chimneys. It's got three chimneys now, and then probably there was there was probably also one in the middle at the front, um, which I haven't I've had to remove because of the cutaway. Um, so it's it's got a um, yeah. So a lot more rooms are heated now. So the mm. so standards of comfort and con convenience and cleanliness have risen. This was a, this was a, um, this was no mean house. I don't think it ever was. You know, it, was, it has always been a posh house, for the, an impressive house for the region. You know, I mean, of course, one doesn't know what sort of decorations were painted, because mm. they tend to be covered up with modern wallpaper and stuff like that. But if you get a chance to strip one of these houses down, if it's being repaired or, God forbid, demolished, then um, um, then you sometimes find all sorts of um, uh, painted schemes and things. You know, because they. 
you know, at least up until the middle of the um, uh, 18th century, people liked colour. What kind of colours would they have been using then? Well, they'd use anything that was available. But I mean, one of the, uh, you, you sometimes get uh, walls hung with what they call stained cloths, um, where you'd hang um, uh, great big sheets of canvas or something, and you'd paint those with kind of hunting scenes and forest scenes. And um, um, uh, so lots of greeny, bluey, muddy sort of um, delightfully naive uh, um, landscapes. Um, but also you get, I mean, you get, you know, red earth colours and things like that in Devon and yellows. And, and I would say it's not really my area of specialism, but, um, um, but it, it, you know, some, sometimes you see these extraordinary things. I mean, there's a house in Exeter which has the, the remains, just fragments of an enormous picture of St George and the dragon, where the dragon's all gilded and oh, wow. spiky and terrifying and absolutely stunning. Wonderful stuff. I mean, I've, I've worked on medieval wall paintings that were absolutely vile, you know, and sort of, you know, like the worst kind of 1970s wallpapers, um, with huge kind of blobby flowers bl randomly blattered all over the wall. And, uh, but, but, and also you get these kind of like, you know, massive stripy effects where, you know, a big vertical panel of blue next to a big vertical panel of red and sort of white strap work frieze at the top with them, you know, sort of dual work and sort of strap work is like a kind of style of drawing where it looks like cut leather that's sort of curling, very popular in the in the 17th century. It also it, it sounds a little bit because you get in the in the Greek period, in the Roman period, quite gaudy colours, don't you? <laughs> Um, and that they're not afraid to paint things crazy colours. Um, and I think there's a similar trend there from yes. the medieval period through, isn't there, actually, until, like you say, until the Georgian period. And when this kind of stifling gentility comes in. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not remotely stifling. I'm not remote, remotely genteel, as you can tell by my furniture. Good Lord, no. <laughs> I see you're on your archaeological throne again, by the way. I am indeed. Yes, it's my work throne, you know, obviously one has to have a throne for work. <laughs> Let's move on to the uh, 1900s then and have a look what happened. Well, there we are. This is the, you know, this is the final phase of the house. It just, just showing the house is pretty much as it is today. It's all, so <laughs> it's fully storied. It's got, it's all, the exterior is all rendered. Um, lots and lots of them, um, uh, of modern windows replacing the original little, little tiny ones. So that's just a, that's just to say so that the that last drawing was done so that the the owners of the house and their visitors could sort of locate themselves by kind of re regressing the sequence of drawings backwards and the, they could recognize the house they were standing in front of and and find out where they were so the weird thing is that although the the passage has moved slightly it's still you know pretty much in the center of the house so some things in this in the layout of this house just have never changed from when it was first built yeah, for 500 years, people have been walking through that entranceway, yeah. through that passageway. Amazing, isn't it? Yes. And I think what's what's really interesting as well is, you know, um, you would look at that and you go, oh, well, that's a pretty old house. It's thatched mm -hmm. and whatnot. But um, you might not necessarily think, hang on a minute, that dates back to the 1500s and it was once at a cross passage and uh, a hall. 
uh, going up to the rafters with a fire in the middle. You can't tell that from outside and because it's changed so much, can you? Somebody has tidied it up trying to make the front all symmetrical. So and they've and and on regular, so central doorway and you know, two pairs of windows either side and one above. And you could sort you can only tell really that this is a proper vernacular house by the fact that the one of the chimneys still sticks up off centre. <laughs> So, so always there's some little traitorous little sign that, um, oh. that for all your gentility, for all your desire to be symmetrical and perfect and prim, there's that the real guts of the place are different. <laughs> and that's because it's it's off centre because that's one the chimney in the uh, 1600s, is yep. it? And it's still there. Into, into one side of the passage, yes. Huh. that's amazing, isn't it? How things kind of almost get fossilized within a building. Like you say, being able to read a building so you know what you're looking for, you know, little giveaway clues like the smoke blackening, for instance. And um, that's a real skill to be able to do that, to be able to bring out what it looked like in 1500 when so much of it has been chopped and changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, actually. It's the, it's the, it makes life more interesting. If you, you look at the buildings around you and you think they're not static, they're always changing. They will, they will always be changing as long as they last. So everyone makes, you know, everyone puts on new wallpaper or a new kitchen, and then, and, and quite often now, unfortunately, people tend to whack out the windows and put in brand new plastic ones that last about fifteen years. Um, it's just, you know, but the, the world is interesting. It's more interesting when you, when you, when you examine it with an inquisitive eye. I love it when you walk down uh, old high streets and there's this lovely mishmash of different buildings, different yeah. building materials, different roof levels, some will be higher than others, different windows. Adds a spice to life. Yeah. Look, look, always look up above the shop fronts. Because their upper stories will quite often be retained. As uh, long, may they, long may it be so. The, the interesting thing, of course, is that the upper stories quite often have a, a, a flat Georgian front on, but you can sometimes tell from the pattern of the windows or from or from little hints, little sort of like irregularities that there's something much more interesting going on behind. I, I just, uh, I love talking about this uh, with you, Richard. And um, I, I, I really think that these illustrations are amazing because, you know, like they say, a, a picture paints a thousand words, don't they? And, and you know, here you go, case in point. Um, you know, you could write, a, a, an absolute tome, um, an archaeological report about, oh, it's rectangular in plan and it's got this, do the, 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 the 10 meters across, blah, 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 chimney stack. You can write all that, but actually, to actually be able to see that, um, this really brings it to life. It really does. And, and I think it's, it's amazing that people are going to be able to visualize um, what Devon farmhouses are like. Um, going all the way back from 1500s, right up until the present day, actually, and to be able to understand that phasing, that, uh, how they change through time. I think it's just so well explained in your illustrations. It's genius, really amazing. You're very, very kind. Um, I do love draw doing, doing these drawings. They sometimes take longer and are more frustrating than you can imagine, because you get, sometimes get these situations you can't quite, you know, you can't resolve this. You know, what, did, what did happen here? But uh, and you can slow down for you can sit pouring over it for weeks. But um, but yeah, if you're lucky, it goes well, and the and the house just they like having their souls bared. I think. But you know, this is the work of buildings archaeologists, field archaeologists, and so on. Um, 
you know, by writing these reports, by making a record, by um, photographing, drawing things, describing things really meticulously, yes. you're then passing that information on to future generations. Yeah. And so even if something's gone, um, there's actually a record of it. And yeah. people could come back in hundreds of years time and pick up the record, read the archeological report or look at your illustration or photographs and go, ah, yeah, that's what it was like, rather than having no information, you know? The lovely thing about these houses, which is why they are so precious, is because they are, they are accumulations. You know, they're, they're, not like, they're not like some Georgian mansions. They're not sort of like put down one massive fiat, you know, thump on the earth. They've actually grown out of the earth, literally out of the earth and out of the fields around them. And they have responded for, for generations to the, um, the needs of the family who occupied them. And, you know, often for hundreds upon hundreds of hundreds of years. So, um, you know, you could build a you could build a modern one like them. But somehow, the reason they're the, the the original building, the real building, is so precious is because it is the real artifact. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Richard, thank you so much for sharing um, your illustrations mm -hmm. with us and your incredible in-depth knowledge about all these buildings, these wonderful farmhouses that um, were built during the late medieval period, 1500s, and some of them are still standing today. It's amazing, isn't it? And will probably stand for many other hundreds of years, you know, because they're that, they're that durable. They, they, they shrug off um, uh, time. Mm. Thank you so much for that fun chat, and uh, we'll hopefully catch up with you again soon. To ensure you catch all the latest updates, please do subscribe to this channel, follow us on social media, sign up to our newsletter and join us on Patreon.